Good evening, everyone. And Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Addiction Treatments That Work. I'm your host, Kenneth Anderson. Tonight is July 26th of 2012, and our guest tonight is Ryan Paul Carruthers. He's the executive director of Abintra Counseling in Nebraska, which incorporates harm reduction, cognitive behavioral therapy, lots of other interesting things that he will be telling us about. And before we start the show, I'm going to do a little blurb for our website and our book. Our website is hamsnetwork.org. We are a free-of-charge lay-led support group for people who want to make any positive change in their drinking habits, from safer drinking to reduced drinking to quitting altogether. Our book is called How to Change Your Drinking, A Harm Reduction Guide to Alcohol. It's available from Amazon. For more information, go to hamsnetwork.org slash book. Our guest tonight is Ryan Paul Carruthers. He's right here. How are you doing tonight, Ryan? I'm doing great. Thanks for thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you on the show. Um, so, you are the executive director of Abintra Counseling. What is Abintra Counseling, and how did this get started? Yeah, um, Abintra Counseling. We're a um, uh, relatively small uh, private practice outpatient, uh, full service outpatient. We have a full continuum of outpatient services, uh, substance abuse. Um, in Omaha, Nebraska, and um, it actually all got started uh, back in 2004 um, under a previous owner, and uh, the word uh, itself, abintra, a lot of people aren't uh, very familiar with that word. You have to get out a unabridged dictionary to, to find it, um, uh, but the prior owner uh, actually spent time searching through the dictionary for the right word. Uh, wanted something that started with A for marketing purposes and found Abintra, uh, which is actually a uh, Latin word that means from within. And so that's kind of the philosophy that we take with our clients is that uh, clients are going to have uh, their own answers, they're going to have their own solutions, uh, just take some uh, work with us or with, you know, with a professional sometimes to help them uh, get in touch with that. Uh, so that's kind of um, when it came about. We actually expanded into uh, a brand new um, office in October of last year, and so uh, very excited. It's still pretty new for us um, to be in this uh, new office. Well, I think that's kind of an, a good and an interesting approach because. I think uh, clients uh, often know inside they have a good idea or they have something in their deep heart or their wise mind, as they say in DBT, about where they want to be. But they need some guidelines of how to get there and maybe to clarify exactly what the destination is. They, you know, they, they can have a big idea of where they're going, but they can use more clarification. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, one of the first activities that, that we do with our clients is, uh, you're probably familiar with this, it's something from um, the uh, cognitive behavioral uh, uses it, uh, but it's more uh, associated with motivational interviewing. It's the value card sort, um, helping clients to identify those, those kind of key core values that are, that are most central to them, uh, and then exploring with them how their behaviors, whatever it might be, alcohol, drug use, uh, most typically, how those are kind of in line or 
most likely the case not in line with their behavior um, and kind of helping them to get back in touch with those values. Uh, and then they, once they're there, uh, most people find that they're able to uh, accurately identify what goal it is they, they want, whether it be an abstinence, moderation, or harm, uh, harm reduction-based goal. Uh, tell me some more about it. You called it the value card sort? How does this work? Yeah, the, the, yeah, the value card sort, um, basically it's it's a set of cards, and um, if any of the listeners are, are interested, they can go to the uh, CASA website. Um, and, and uh, well, I guess uh, William Miller, uh, Bill Miller, and, and several other researchers there at the University of New Mexico uh, came up with this uh, value card sort. And it's a PDF document. You just uh, print it out and then cut up these cards. I'm sitting here looking at uh, the cards right now. Like one says creativity, humility, fitness, inner peace, stability, genuineness. And, and what they do is they put them into various categories. So uh, it would, they would either classify each value as very important, important, or not important to them. Um, and I, I found this useful for two Two reasons. One, it really helps me in a short period of time to get to know a client, um, which is the you know the first obstacle in treatment is trying to get to know this uh, stranger uh, that's sitting sitting across uh, from you. And so, um, uh, not just getting to know them though. The second second objective is really to, um, in, in the uh, motivational interviewing terms, they would say to try to amplify their ambivalence. Um, or help create some discrepancy between uh, where it is they are and, and where they ultimately want to be. And, and I found values are, are, like I said, one of the, the easiest ways to get them to identify they're not quite where they want to be in relation to their um, substance use. That sounds like a really good tool, and we haven't used it yet, but I think we're going to incorporate that into our site and give them, give our people a link to so that they can look at that. It sounds really very useful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that's uh, that's kind of our core uh, thing there. And, you know, you were, you were saying, uh, uh, you know, some of the work we do, and I think that as drug and alcohol counselors and uh, especially those of us that that do believe in the principles of, uh, like you said, any positive changes in in, in relation to their uh, substance use. Um, one of one of the first obstacles is is really kind of developing that relationship, building up some trust with them. Um, so the value card sort of comes in handy. Let's say trying to get to know them um, and, and letting them know that I care about who they are. I'm not assuming that. I know them just because they end up in treatment. I'm not putting them into a category uh, such as alcoholic, addict, um, or, or even substance abuser. One of the things that uh, clients are often surprised by in terms of our approach, and again, this comes, you know, the word of intra from within, is that we will uh, have them label themselves. I think accurate self-identification of a problem is, is more important than... Uh, a diagnosis. A diagnosis may get you into treatment, uh, but at that point, they need to identify for themselves, um, which actually the AA Big Book um, backs up. Uh, you know, in their chapter on more about alcoholism, they say we do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. Um, at which point they say, you know, go the 
nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. So um, I, I think that uh, the principles um, of an abstinence-based moderation or harm reduction, I think they're actually quite similar, even though uh, there, there's definitely more resistance towards a harm reduction approach. Now, have you found that uh, working where you are in Nebraska, uh, how how is your program received by first by clients and then also by the general public? Yeah, um, you know it, it's it's interesting because uh, when I first uh, came along to start working at Abintra, uh, we weren't nearly as developed as we are now, and so I've really seen the the growth in terms of referral sources when you talk about the general public and and really seen with clients. Now, I came into the field with a uh, more traditional 12-step mindset that you tell people to go to AA, you tell them never to drink again, and that, uh, that that's what works. And, and very quickly, I found myself burning out in the field. Um, it was at that point I was exposed for the first time to motivational interviewing, and uh, after getting that training, started um, taking a little bit different look at my role and the, the role of clients in, in, in treatment and uh, different alternatives. And that was the first time I actually came across uh, the HAMS uh, network and uh, moderation management and smart recovery, um, all things that we uh, utilize at minimum the principles of in our, in, in our treatment um, today. But, um, uh, you know, by clients... Um, initially, a lot of clients will have the attitude of, well, where's the catch? Where's the trick? You know, they they don't quite believe that we're approaching them from the perspective of, hey, you have a choice. What do you want? Um, now, our, our, our treatment, while they are engaged in treatment, we do ask for tests for abstinence. Um, and what we're really looking at is more, Longer term, what is your change going to look like? Right along with the um, nine steps of MM, where they say you know a 30-day abstinence period. So we kind of expect that during the treatment process. But uh, beyond that, uh, uh, clients receive it wonderfully. Um, they they we've really seen uh, the buy-in that substance abuse treatment historically has failed to get for those fringe clients, for the people that aren't open to an abstinence-based treatment or especially a uh, spiritual-based 12-step uh, philosophy. Um, so in terms of clients, wonderful reception. Um, referral sources, I would say it's really um, individualized. Uh, one of the more interesting programs we have is a um, partnership with Miller Public Schools here in Omaha where when their adolescents get suspended for alcohol or drug-related offenses, um, to reduce that from a 19, a mandated 19 school day suspension, so that's a, a month out of school, to they can get that all the way down to 10 days by going through our program. We use the same philosophy with these adolescents. Um, and one of our main interventions there is a four-hour family alcohol and drug education class uh, where we don't preach, we don't use abstinence only, uh, we use the same uh, philosophy, uh, any positive changes. And I was really nervous when we started that program, that partnership with them, that the parents and the school would not be appreciative of, of our efforts in, in that way. And uh, we've been amazed 
at the wonderful feedback we've gotten, not just from the school. We've actually um, gotten uh, increased referrals from the school. Uh, but the parents praise our class and our program um, and, and the realistic approach that we take because I think sometimes even parents will feel like everyone's just telling my kids not to do something. Uh, everyone's just, you know, and, and, and that just shuts my child down. They don't want to listen. And so, again, we get that engagement where the kids get involved and it's a, uh, it's a wonderful thing to witness um, a kid who otherwise – uh, isn't going to listen to anything about alcohol or, or drugs, um, to sit there in class and be engaged and be open and honest about their thoughts when it's done in a in a non-judgmental fashion like that. Well, certainly um, a 12-step referral for a teenager or high school student is, is a bizarre thing, although it's not uncommon. No, no, not at all. Um, and, and you mentioned here in Nebraska, and, and – you know, uh, you're familiar with the history of, uh, of it all and, and, you know, where, um, you know, the quote-unquote Hazelden model or 12-step facilitation, as it's called now, um, where it, uh, you know, originates right out of the Midwest in, in uh, uh, Minnesota and, and Nebraska is a very conservative state. And so, you know, we're left in, in Omaha, a metropolitan area with suburbs included, you know, bordering on a million people, uh, and we are the only full-service um, uh, treatment center that openly discusses moderation with their clients. Um, there's not a there's not a single one out there that that has a, a program like ours in a city this size. Uh, and so, uh, you know, in many ways, I tell my students because I teach at two local colleges here, and I tell my students when I, when I bring up. Uh, you know, kind of my approach, and, and I bring up abstinence versus moderation or harm reduction. I tell them that if this is something you believe in, uh, that it's not something that's always openly accepted in our community. Um, so I think there's there's two sides to it. There's uh, individuals that, that see the, the possibility and the realism in it, and then there's um, the the society overall, which... Uh, here in Nebraska, really dictates uh, that, that almost every job available is at a 12-step facility. Yeah, you know, I lived in Minnesota for about 20 years, longer yeah. than 20 years. That's where my AA problem started. But... Oh, sure. I'm going to put it that way. I kind of, I kind of like that. Yeah. And, and I'm uh, not an anti-AA person by any means. Um, I just understand where it is and where it's not useful. You know, I taught a class. Uh, I, I teach continuing education classes for addiction professionals and mental health. And the, the first one I ever taught uh, privately was called, uh, it was an original curriculum called The Twelve Steps, Another Look. And the, the whole principle behind it was for people on both sides of the spectrum to come towards the middle and to realize for those uh, big book thumpers, that AA is not everything. It is not the end-all, be-all. And for those on the other side, those that are AA haters, to, to come to the middle and realize AA is really good for a lot of people. But the truth is somewhere in the middle. It is, that there is both really positive and not so positive things about this program depending on the given individual that you're working with. Uh, and so, 
uh, I mean, I'm a, I, I, I don't, I definitely don't want to come across as an AA basher, um, but, but I appreciate that uh, that saying nonetheless of uh, it's where my AA problem started. Well, I did my uh, basic training in harm reduction by volunteering at needle exchange programs. Uh, even my interest was alcohol, but there was no place to learn about harm reduction for alcohol because it didn't exist. So. I started right. volunteering at Needle Exchange, you know, so I could kind of right. transfer some of these ideas over. And, yeah. you know, about half my colleagues at Needle Exchange that were volunteering there or working there, you know, they're members of 12-step programs. Sure, sure. So I came to really appreciate, you know, appreciate them, you know, appreciate that there were 12-step people that, you know, could separate, you know. Here's how we're dealing with our clients who need clean needles, and we're giving them needles, and we're not proselytizing to them or preaching to them. We're just meeting them where they are at. But then, you know, if they ask, you know, I would like to go to an absence-based treatment, then you can give them a referral. Or if you're outside of the needle exchange situation and talking to people, then you can talk. You know, it's it's a whole different situation. So I came to really appreciate this. I'm very uh, good, close friends of mine who are 12-step members. For me, it was uh, it was a terrible fit, and I drank more than I ever had in my life until mm. I left, yeah. uh, which happens to some people. So it just doesn't fit everyone. Yeah, and I think that's the that's the key principle behind it. Uh, you know, part of that that first ever class, I, I, the curriculum I wrote was looking at the uh, uh, the codes of ethics of various professions, and um, uh, Bill Miller kind of wrote about this in in, in motivational interviewing, which uh, I'm very excited for the uh, third edition, which is supposed to be coming out uh, this fall. But uh, in in the first couple editions, uh, he and Stephen Rolnick write about um, kind of where it came from, MI, and and it stemmed out of addiction uh, research, and, and specifically the idea that a confrontational based treatment is is actually not at all in line with what AA preaches. I was reading a research article uh, uh, for a PhD assignment I'm working on uh, today that said um, that there's so much difference in, in, in the current AA reality uh, that the, the programs, the written principles and all that is so diverse from the what's actually practiced and, and, and spoken in the uh, meetings and in the fellowship and amongst the members. And, and, and I think that's a big part of it as well that, that will leave people, especially uh, court-mandated people, kind of turned off to, uh, to that program. Um, you know, and, and one of the things we've worked on doing, because Nebraska currently has uh, no smart recovery meetings either, um, Horvath's work, uh, and mm-hmm. so we're trying to start uh, both a MM meeting at our facility and a smart recovery meeting here, uh, just just in order to have those alternatives available to the community. Well, don't forget to start a HAMS group too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, you know, one of the things I was I was uh, wasn't really previously aware of even before. Uh, right before the meeting, just kind of looking at the website, was that you guys actually have meetings um, of hams. I knew about the book and the, the 
website and, and, and a lot of your work, but wasn't uh, familiar with the meeting component of it until I just saw it on the uh, the website there. Yeah, that's actually what we grew out of. Well, you know, Hams has a bit of a history. I was, uh, for about four years, I was an online director for moderation management, and this was the same time I was studying harm reduction by volunteering in needle exchange, and I was kind of developing these ideas. I found that there were a group of people within MM that they they really didn't fit the MM approach. They needed more of a harm reduction approach. And right. so eventually, um, well, January 2007, we split to become a separate organization. So we uh, took our online group and, you know, moved to be the HAMS online group and separated from MM. I mean, MM is a great, is a great resource for, it's mainly aimed at early stage problem drinkers, and that's what it really right. works well with. Yeah. And uh, we work uh, often with more severe people. Um, who just aren't doing well with abstinence, but they say, like, I don't want to drink and drive anymore. And we say, well, that's a right. good thing. Right. Yep. So uh, that's that's how we got started about uh, five and a half years ago now, soon six years. And uh, so we got started with the group, and we talked about ideas and developed ideas within the group. And, you know, I brought in things I learned from needle exchange, from my reading, and eventually we got our our our. We said we had 14 elements and went to 11 elements and then went to 17 elements. Yeah, and that's yep. where we wound up. And then we started getting some more. You know, just a lot of material got written on the website, and then a lot more got written and got combined into the book. And that's uh, where we came from. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I I definitely appreciate a, a a history like that. I mean, I think that uh, that's really how motivational interviewing has um, uh, grown up. Uh, has been kind of a piecemeal. Um, and the thing I like about uh, uh, your work uh, with HAMS is that everything's out there. Everything's available. Um, you know, you go to the website, you download the PDFs, you can do the, um, you know, the change plan worksheets and the drinking uh, strategies, and and uh, you can do all those things right there on the website. Very, very similar to the philosophy that motivational interviewing is taking in their research is to make all these types of things available. And, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the things in the CBT realm aren't that way. Uh, a lot of them tend to be copyrighted type stuff uh, that, that you need uh, permission or to pay to use. Um, mm. But but I appreciate uh appreciate that, uh, you know, from a clinical side, that I can have uh, a client in session, we can go to the website, print off the worksheet, and, and do it right there, you know, in a session, uh, and, and both familiarize themselves, uh, them with the program, and have something, you know, useful, a, a tool for us to uh, work on or through during a session. Well, that was very important to me, um, you know, to have everything available for free and to even keep the book really reasonably priced um, because yep. I did do a time when I was homeless for two years. You know, this is when I was struggling the most with alcohol, and I couldn't afford to pay for resources. Yeah, and, and in today's today's day and age with the, with the Internet, uh, you know, I, I really believe that, that counselors – uh, therapists, psychiatrists, psychologists are the, the helping field in general. 
underutilizes the website. So I appreciate a website that that has everything out there and and uh, that it's organized. And you know, those are those are things I think sometimes that uh, uh, in the human service field we we tend to lose out on um, the the capabilities that the, say the internet holds. Yeah, I I would agree with you about that. You know, I was just looking at uh, therapists in uh, New York City, you know, because I'm trying to spread the word about our program. And I thought, you know, very few of them have their own website. Only about, you know, right. one yep. in 20 have their own website. Yep. And I was like so amazed. How are people going to find you? Right. Yep. And and I mean, you know, we get a we get a, a lot of people that they come in and say, hey, you know, saw saw your website. We're was really impressed, and and it's a way to, you know, reach out to population that you know does want to truly remain confidential or, or anonymous, and may not be ready to make that phone call and provide a name or something like that. But if they if they see something on the website, like you know, like going to our website, uh, I'll do a little plug here. You know, Bintra Center, a b i n t r a Center dot com, and and uh, you know, going to that and and seeing that we're not going to pressure them into an abstinence uh, based twelve step program. Uh, we've had people that have said, you know, I didn't think I'd find anything, but I found you guys, and uh, you know, that's why I called. That's why I'm here, is because you know, you you put that out there on the website, so. I'm a big believer in that, and I'm a you know I'm a younger guy, so I uh, uh, kind of grew up with computers, and uh, you know much like yourself, trying to do so many things as as you know the the lead guy there at Hams. I'm trying to do the same thing here. I've had to learn how to you know like put a website together, and uh, you know I think that uh, uh, you know like your guys. Uh, daily chat that you do on your website. I saw that on there today. I think those things are just great. Well, thank you. I appreciate that a lot. There's one thing I want to go back to. We were talking before about students. And have you uh, ever seen Dr. Alan Marlatt's Basics program? I haven't seen his Basics program. Uh, I'm familiar uh, with his work, uh, most definitely familiar with his work. He's a fellow member of the Motivational Interviewing Network of Trainers of Mint, um, the uh, international training organization for motivational interviewing. So I'm familiar with his work, but have not seen that program. Um, it's an acronym, if I remember right. It's uh, Brief Assessment and Intervention with College Students, Brief Alcohol uh, intervention with college students, something like that. Spells basics. Um, I thought it might be useful since you're working with you know high school students right. and teenagers. Right. You yeah. might want to get that book. Uh, there's a there's a book out that he did with his colleagues out of the University of Washington, which um, it's got it's got some really good stuff. I haven't read it yet, but I've read a lots bits and pieces of it on Google Books. And I think it's a great resource that you could probably, you know, uh, incorporate some of his ideas into what you're doing now. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think uh, again, that's the that's the value of, uh, you know, even you having something like this to where, uh, you know, you'll call me and and uh, you know, I know you've talked with other people that believe in the concepts and and you know, and and this is going to be out there on the internet for people to uh, listen to and um, you know, just. Uh, 
you know, knowing that, uh, you know, Marlott's out there and, and, and Miller and, you know, um, Stan Peel, you know, all these people are, are, are out there really advocating for positive change in substance use. And, and um, you know, the thing I was shocked with when I become, became an educator, again, I expected so much more resistance uh, to these principles, especially uh, in Nebraska. Um, and, and I found it they really, uh, whether it's I'm teaching therapists or drug and alcohol counselors in my CEU classes or I'm teaching, you know, fresh and raw, open-minded college students, that, that people do want this information. And then it's it's almost like it's been out there and they've known about it, but, but it hasn't been properly disseminated to them. Uh, and, and so I think uh, any kind of efforts like you're doing, like we're doing, um, to, to just kind of spread the message of, uh, positive change is change, and it is positive, and and everyone uh, should be behind it. You know, I think that that uh, you know changes uh, do occur because of that. Well, there is a real sea change going on. Uh, 10, 15 years ago, when you talked to people in the addiction field, the professionals, when you talked to them about this, there was lots of resistance and there was, you know, lots of people closing their ears. And now you're talking about the same things. And there's lots of people saying, wait a minute, let me tell me more. That sounds interesting. That sounds something we could incorporate. So it's it's a big change. Yeah, and I think, I think uh, you know, one of the things I've found is that uh, one of the things that really opens up my students' uh, eyes to this is is how it really relates to uh, Declamente uh, and Prochaska's work with the with the uh, stages of change. And, and I think that there, that's been maybe more well disseminated than some of the um, concepts that follow it. Like, uh, you know, if you've got someone who is, um, a contemplator, how, you know, uh, that's a good opportunity to get them uh, to uh, go for any positive change, a harm reduction approach or even a moderation-based approach. That, uh, uh, you know, so I think that that's been uh, a real positive for uh, the treatment uh, side of it is the fact that clinicians are, are now educated on uh, that work, uh, you know, and, and, and I use that in pretty much everything I do. Uh, with the with the stages of change. Yeah, that's an excellent tool that work that fits in really well with the other with the other tools, the cognitive behavioral, the motivational interviewing, harm reduction. They all fit well with the stages of change yes. theory. Exactly. Well, we're we're coming to the close. It's been a really fast show, but we're coming to the end of the half hour. So, what would you like to leave us with? Um, well, I, I I just like to. Um, you know, say that anyone out there listening to this, you probably uh, either interested yourself in, in, in making some changes or interested in helping other people and just like to uh, uh, really encourage, um, send out some uh, uh, positive energy that uh, other people are out there making positive changes, even if they're uh, not abstinence-based and other people are out there trying to help people make those changes and uh to continue feel free uh contact uh contact us at Abintra, um even if it's just to consult and chit chat as another professional we love to um you know be a re- resource uh in the community well thank you very much for being our guest this evening ryan yeah absolutely it was a, it was a pleasure 
And everyone, come back next week, next Thursday. Our guest will be Janja Lalich, and we will be talking about cults and cult deprogramming. Should be interesting. I'll see you all then. Good night. <laughs>